Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he is gracious enough to come on here once a week and talk about what's going on in the markets. And today is his day to shine. Chip, how you doing, bud? Hey, pretty good. How you doing, Casey? Not too bad, man. Well, there is. Uh, Kind of feels like we're sitting on a powder keg here that people are trying to either avoid from lighting or can't wait to light. But this this drought situation that we see happening in South America and the drought talk that we talk about here in, in the northern hemisphere, um, up in North America, um, is is fueling a lot of this trade that we see happening right now. And the thing about the drought situation we have right now in North America is outside of wheat that should be dormant right now. There's not a lot growing. So I guess what are your thoughts on, on what you see happening here with this drought monitor? Yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty good synopsis to, of where we're at. I mean, it is uh, well below precip uh, as far as uh, this far into the growing season for both Brazil and Argentina. Uh, they have started to get a few rains, scattered rains around. Uh, if, if you're lucky enough to be getting those, they're, they're very beneficial. And, and some good rains, although, you know, net-net at this uh, point in the calendar, they still are well below average precip. There's a couple kind of hot pockets, if you want to call them that, um, you know, in both uh, uh, Mato Grosso, Brazil, which is one of their main growing areas. They grow, I think, uh, upwards of 30% of the uh, Brazilian beans come from that one state. It's massive in size. They still are struggling a, a lot with some dry weather and, and some real problems there. Portions of Argentina as well uh, have been uh, very, very dry. But we're just uh, kind of coming into this uh, volatile holiday period where normally the volume slows way down. It's already started to um, in, in some respects. And you're not feeding the bull every day with just a you know a absolute arid and, and hot forecast because there are some rains in there. So that's what makes it a little bit confusing. And you've seen that kind of reflected in the price action here recently in corn and beans where, you know, beans try to rally, they, they sell off, they can't hold those rallies, but yet, uh, you know, we're not selling off decisively either. So we're just kind of, you know, for this point in time, slopping around in a, in a pretty, you know, wide range here uh, at 25, 30 cents in, in beans and, you know, 10, 12 cents in corn. We've kind of developed this sideways trading range for the time being, waiting on more information and, I think I think January could get very interesting um, as it relates to just you know how critical that uh, that forecast is down there. They're going to need more rain. Um, it's nice that they're getting some right now, but January is really going to be where the rubber meets the road as far as the production in in South America goes. And uh, so that's kind of you know is setting the stage for a potential uh, volatile end of the year here as far as any major changes in that forecast. If we see those. Um, and, and really, after the the new year, uh, I think that month of January could be really, really interesting. Yeah, and one, you've got the January crop report coming. Uh, that's going to give us our final yields, and 
you know, final, uh, won't be the final, but fi final yields, but, um, you know, updates on demand and, and carry out as well as world numbers. So uh, throw that in the mix with uh, a very important month for South American weather and it could be, be uh, you know, really volatile come the month of January. Yep. All right. So let's talk about, <clears throat> I'll talk about cattle complex for a little bit here. Um, box beef prices have been coming down, which has been bringing down the the, the fats and feeders and everything else that's out there being traded right now. Um, direct correlation with that. When you look at what's going on there, there's just it seems like they can't find a find a bottom. It just keeps getting every week is just a little bit less than it was the week before. What are your thoughts on the on the cattle market? Yeah, it's been a, a a real volatile ride in the in the box beef. Not so much on cash cattle. Uh, I guess you could argue both ways that maybe that is a <clears throat> is a good thing here. So you know, going back uh, five six weeks here, you had a lot of fear in the marketplace of of shutdowns and and um, you know I think once the election hit, Biden for a period of time was talking about. Um, you know, we got to shut this thing down to get a, uh, you know, get a handle on this virus. So I think he's since backed off on that, <clears throat> but um, it caused some panic type buying um, like we saw the previous shutdown. Now, the, the thing about that was it, it shot box beef dramatically higher. Box beef went, I don't know, 30 plus dollars straight up. Right. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really affect cash cattle. It mm -hmm. might have drugged cash cattle uh, a couple bucks higher, but not as high as what you'd have expected. And, you know, now I think retailers and, and everyone have, um, you know, that demand um, fulfilled, uh, you know, or, or, or resupplied, uh, you know, the case of, in, in the case of, uh, the, you know, retailers and box beef just imploding. And, and I guess the, the take home here is that it, it hasn't really been a huge drag on the cash cattle market, which is a good thing. And, and futures are stuck in the middle. Um, I mean, they've had a nice rally here the last uh, three or four trading sessions, um, you know, three and a half dollar rally probably in the, in the February live cattle. But yet, as you kind of scan out and take a big picture look, they're really uh, right about in the middle, um, honestly, of the last two months trading range. So kind of par for the course here. The You know, we talked a little bit about this on the in the case of the grain markets, waiting more information on South American weather, and they're just kind of slopping sideways here. Same can be said about, um, you know, the cattle complex here. And uh, live cattle, at least in the case of the February, just really smack dab right in the middle of a about a two-and-a-half-month trading range here, waiting to see, are we going to find some stability in this in this box beef market? Are they going to keep imploding it? There's still pretty good, uh, real good uh, packer margins out there. So, um that's a good thing. I mean, the packer and the feeder kind of, you know, um, seem like enemies, uh, mortal enemies at, at certain points in time. But, you know, you need them both to make a little bit of money. And uh, it can be argued the packer's making a lot of money right now, even with boxed beef coming down. And, and that's a good thing for the, for the feeder as well, because I think the packer is still going to be able to kind of hold those bids together. So, you know, like everything, I think you're coming into a couple-week period here into the holidays where things could get a little bit sloppy, a little bit, uh, you know, lighter volume than normal. Um, but I, I still think that you're pretty pretty decent footing here for a rally on into uh, the first quarter of 2021, especially if, 
um, we start getting, you know, any weather situations. The plains are kind of dealing with some dry weather. There's not a lot of moisture or storms in the forecast right now. But as you get into Jan, Feb, March, you know, if you'd see any, you know, kind of adverse winter weather in the in the plains, particularly the northern plains, uh, that could be enough to maybe cause some buying and kind of break us out to the uh, to the upside. Um, you look at the charts; we're kind of going a little bit of a triangle formation now in this February live cattle. And uh, at some point in time, in the very near future, you're going to break out of this and and uh, kind of have the market dictate which way it wants to go. So, uh, been very very volatile ride. The feeders have been pretty choppy as well. They're holding together better. Quite honestly, if you look at uh, March feeders, they're up, um, you know, within a couple bucks of, you know, about a uh, four-month high here, five-month high. And so the the little break we've seen off the highs in the corn market has helped support the feeders a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that's been something that's maybe stabilized the, the live cattle as well. There's often, you know, give and take there between the feeders and the fats. So, um, you know, I'm still hopeful just from a fundamental standpoint that the first quarter – um, you could see some better things, maybe push these February cattle up closer to 120 and and maybe get to April's north of 120. And then I think that's, um, you know, probably the next opportunity for cattle producers to uh, maybe take a little risk off the board at that point in time. Right on. Uh, two things that are related to markets as a whole and even the outside markets will be probably um, responding to this. Uh, so yesterday, as uh, no big surprise, if you if you even were in earshot of a TV, they had um, they were giving out the first round of the Pfizer uh, coronavirus vaccine uh, to several uh, frontline um, uh, emergency personnel in in New York City and some other other areas around um, the country, and that uh, that seems to be a, uh, a bright spot here for what we see with the coronavirus as far as getting things back to normal. And also the, uh, the electoral college got together and voted on um, getting the president uh, all, all locked up here. And Joe Biden got 306 electoral votes, um, which makes him the next president of the United States. They still have to go through the, uh, the uh joint session of congress where they'll tally all those votes on the 6th and then he'll be inaugurated on the 20th so there's some stability there um in the marketplace 110,000 restaurants have been have closed um gone out of business since the uh coronavirus shutdown started and with everything going on i guess as you take a look at the virus news um the vaccine news that we've got now how much how much response do you think the grain markets and cattle markets livestock markets are going to have to that that are going to be a positive kind of move forward that you know what we're going to be able to see more beef demand and more pork demand or those kind of things start taking place yeah i think that they're um obviously that that, that news um both both of those news you know we got a new administration coming it appears yep. uh, as well as uh, you know this vaccine getting rolled out there is a lot of hope and optimism out there that you know the first and second quarter um, you know can be a little bit better and we can kind of stabilize things see the numbers go down and maybe get a little bit back to normal get restaurants back opened up get people uh, driving again so you know that is um, maybe in the first half of 21 the biggest issue for certainly for uh, protein demand meat protein demand 
but also we're starting to see a little bit of weakness on the the ethanol sector right uh, because of some of these shutdowns and in, in you know at different levels across different states and uh, it's, it's certainly uh, curtailed uh, driving again uh, maybe not quite as bad as the as the lockdown um, you know this uh, past winter uh, and early spring did but so those are big issues and um, I, you know obviously it take a little while to get the vaccine, um, you know, where it needs to be and, and distributed. And, but I think that's the, the big hope here. I don't know if that's as big a, an issue in the first quarter, but, but for sure the second quarter of 2021, Agreed. that's going to be, um, you know, I think where the market looks. If we're not seeing some movement by then and the numbers are still up, I think that's going to maybe lead to a lot of, uh, disappointment and and you know disappointment in the in the market's mind as well and and maybe some some sell-offs at that point but i think there is a lot of hope and optimism out there because of this vaccine and we'll just have to see what the what the results are that's just going to take some time to kind of get through the system and and see if there is an effect and the numbers start coming down like everyone has their fingers crossed uh, it will mm-hmm. so on the uh on the pork side of the business here china just miraculously has rebounded to 90 percent of the levels before the african swine fever in about two weeks so they've done a great job of really getting those pigs going so um the last report i saw they were this had been about three or four weeks ago they were about uh they had increased their herd by 30 percent so in four weeks they increased it almost back to normal um so i don't know what they're doing over there to breed pigs but they're really getting after it. So, um, obviously, Chinese demand for pork is going to go down as they bring the herd back from Af- African swine fever. So, as you take a look at at the uh, the pork complex, what we see happening there, what's your what's your thoughts moving into the uh, first quarter of the year? Yeah, I think similar to uh, the cattle complex, where you know, I think there's a lot of hope and, and optimism that um, you know we see these virus numbers start coming down, maybe get. A little bit back to normal and get get uh, economies, uh, state economies back open and restaurants back open. I think that would be a great, uh, uh, you know, a, a great improvement. Um, I think that we're still kind of working through um, some of the liquidation that we saw because of the last shutdown and, and the packing plant problems that we had several months ago during that first shutdown. And, and I think that as you get into spring and summer, you know, that second quarter, Things could get uh, a lot better than than where they're at um, as far as hogs go. And for the time being, though, we, we got plenty of numbers out there, and the cash market struggled a little bit. And um, you know, we're just kind of grinding sideways. And, and maybe that's a moral victory because you know, you, you look at December hogs; they're trading just under sixty-five. Mm-hmm. You know, that's compared to where uh, the greatest fears were six months ago. Um, you know, that's a, a great victory just to kind of be sitting here in the mid 60s on these hogs. And, and I think that uh, and just under 80 on summer contract hogs. And, and so I think some better things are out there. I, I'm not saying you're going to new all time highs. Yeah, that that uh, statistics you mentioned, I saw that myself back to 90 percent of <laughs> of uh, their, their average hogger. They also said a, a week or so ago they had the uh, the same size corn crop as they did a year ago in spite of. Yeah. A, a super dry season into the north and yeah. record flooding to the south and yeah. more uh, corn imports than uh, they put into that country in 
40 plus years and uh, everything's everything's great as far as crop yeah. size goes and $10 corn domestically. So yeah, that's just par for the course for, for China. Yeah. They have some incredible genetics, you know, they can grow in, in underwater and when there's no water. So it's perfect. It's great. great yeah. They apparently yeah. they've, uh, it's only uh, one month, uh, one week, and one day where they can put a put a new uh, a new litter on the ground in, mm-hmm. in hogs. They've they've jumped the they've jumped the hog, so to speak. I guess. Right. Yeah. They've uh, they're really getting after incredible it. propaganda machine. I tell you and what, we, man. Uh, I tell you what, uh, the world has uh, has learned from them. So mm-hmm. nothing but propaganda out there now. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. They had. Uh, I was watching the rice market the other day, and and or a couple months back, and they were because in that area that flooded so bad was one of their key growing uh, rice areas, and they were they said we're going to have a uh, we're up our, our rice production is up I can't remember what ten or fifteen percent over it was last year. I'm like I don't think so. I don't think that's possible. But what do I know? I'm just an equipment guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing is for sure. Uh, all joking aside, you know China is. Um, you know, by all uh, arguments, um, a, a bigger player than maybe even a lot of people thought yeah. five or ten years ago. Yep. Um, and, and that whole region, India, um, you know, Taiwan, Korea, yep. Japan, uh, massive, massive uh, users of, of a lot of agricultural products. So they're going to be a big player for years and years to come. And, and that's a good thing. But it's it is definitely a world market, and you're seeing right now we've had a couple little hiccups. Russia had their problem in wheat, and finally now going to uh, you know put an export tax on on wheat, and that's really had the wheat market fired yep. up here recently. Um, it's dry in the plain. So if we're firing all cylinders in different major growing areas of the world, we can produce massive crops and 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 have you know oversupply. But right now we're heading the other way and and it can be very very volatile and um you know the the big point is we can we can make that shortfall up quickly because of the the yield potential that we have now and and if you get to uh, you know the black sea area north america and south america all firing on all cylinders with good weather and strong production um you know that produces a lot of grain and, and a big surplus to feed the world right now we're heading the other way because right. of some problems and and that's just something we're gonna we're gonna have to face it's gonna add the volatility that we've seen it's gonna make risk management uh, more difficult and um you know it's more more important than ever to have a plan i see a lot of people even talking about the drought Here, here's the funny thing and it is true i don't want to downplay it it's very dry in areas you look at a drought map in the united states and it is um arguably on paper drier than it was at this time in 2011 right? right we all know it happened in 2012 massive drought here's the here's the difference there wasn't one single person talking about a drought at this time a, a spring and summer drought at this time in 2011 right. and now everyone's talking about it here in 2020 about this drought coming in 2021 and it may come but my point is if yeah, you're building always. your marketing plan around the fact that we're going to have a drought next summer here and we're going to have, uh, you know, five and a half dollar corn and $16 beans and $7 wheat. Um, 
<laughs> you may hit the lottery uh, uh, and um, <laughs> right and, and do yeah. really well, yeah. but uh, you, you take an untold amounts of risk. So if we if it happens, that's fine. You know, we've got crop insurance, we've got other marketing tools to lock the downside, you know, risk in. And uh, I, for one, am not going to. I'm, I'm betting on farmers yielding, not. Uh, a drought equivalent to 2012, and while it might happen, um, you know we'll we'll adjust if need be, and and uh, have have crop insurance be a, a backstop for us. But my point with that is, um, I'm just a little worried that we're getting um, you know a little bit lined up uh, on on one side of the boat here, uh, expecting this uh, this big weather anomaly uh, this summer here in North America. And assuming that South America has this massive problem, while I think they they are way below average precip, and there are pockets that are going to have way below average yields, you know, I'm not so sure it's a disaster yet. I think the month of January is going to dictate, are we closer to 130 million ton crop in Brazil, or are we going to drop that down closer to 120? And and, uh, I think either of those scenarios are, are still possible, but the next... 45 days are going to be what dictates that. So yep. point being, a lot of risk out there and um, a lot of hype and and you just got to, you know, try to stay in the middle of the road here and not get run over by the volatility. And and uh, one of the best ways to do that is have a, have a plan, well thought out and well executed plan. Absolutely. So if I'm working on that plan, Chip, what's the best way to get a hold of you for some advice or maybe just to help me get in the right direction? Yeah, best way is just give us a call at the office. It's 309-550-7213, and uh, we'd love to chat with you about that. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, I put a blog out um, over the weekend. Make sure you check that out. It's called Echoes of the Past, talking about the the current combine situation that we see now and how that's... uh, pretty much a, a similar carbon copy to what we saw happen in 2009 and 2010. So check that out. I'm going to put a podcast out kind of explaining that article a little bit, going a little more depth with, with a few more charts and stuff. So if you're an equipment geek, you'll uh, you'll like it. So check it out. Um, go to movingironllc.com for all the latest information on the Moving Iron Summit. Uh, that will be September 15th through the 18th in Nashville, Tennessee. Had to postpone it from the January dates we saw. Um, hopefully by September, everything will be back and headed in the direction it should be um so also check out you can get the podcast on there as well also you can find any blog that i wrote i've ever written um will be on there as well too so check those all out and uh see what else you got you got any comments man hit me up facebook twitter and instagram just like i said or you can send me an email at moving iron podcast at moving iron podcast.com so until next time i am casey seymour with chip nellinger let's go move some iron folks out Moving on